Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. I'm Laurie Sokol, Executive Director of Women's E-News and author of the upcoming book, She Is Me, How Women Can Save the World. It's not about having it all, because when you say having it all, it means that really you want more than perhaps you're entitled to, something that there is difficult to attain. No, all women want is what men have, to have careers and families. Why is that so difficult? This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Lori Sokol is the executive director of Women's E-News, the nonprofit digital news service that covers women's issues. A psychologist and activist, she explains how her passion for human rights fuels her desire to empower women. Lori, growing up, your parents told you not to do anything that would make the men in your life look bad. What do you tell us about that? Oh, there is so much to say about that. That is just one comment that represents the very um, sexist and misogynistic childhood I grew up in. That my sole purpose, in fact, I, I am named Lori and spelled L-O-R-I. The name was picked for me even before I entered this world. <laughs> Because in the 1950s, there was a TV series called How to Marry a Millionaire. And the main character, the woman, was named Lori, spelled L-O-R-I. So the most, of course, my parents could hope for me is to marry a millionaire. So they felt they would be giving me good luck by naming me after the character in this series. I remember I was about seven or eight, and being the precocious child I was, I once asked my mother, well, what if... I become the millionaire, then I could marry whoever I want. This was not very well accepted. This is not something a woman is supposed to do. Uh, She is not to, for example, buy property on her own unless she is married. That is what I was taught growing up. I was also very uh, successful scholastically from a very young age, scoring better than my older brother, who's a year and a half older than I am. And I was actually punished for doing so because I was making him look bad. So one can only imagine growing up in that childhood. uh, I I used to wonder why would I have been given these talents, this scholastic ability, athletic ability, where I was winning trophies in softball and basketball. And I I was shunned for it uh, by my family. Uh, So I wondered why would I be given these talents if they weren't meant to be used. It never made sense to me. So it was through my reading, actually, of characters, women, female characters, that took me away into a world where they were capable and actually achieved beyond what my family was saying I'm capable of achieving. And that helped me quite a bit. (laughs) It didn't demotivate me. Actually, it was the reverse for me. I focused solely on a time when I could get out of at home and be independent and free to do what I'm capable of achieving. In fact, it even made me more impassioned that one day as a writer, and I I realized I had a talent for writing at a young age, to write about my experiences and the experiences of other women and girls to help empower them so that they can see what they are capable 
of achieving as well. Your mom, obviously, it sounds like was part of the reason um, your mom essentially might have wanted to hold you back, too. Well, my father, too. Your father, too, right? Mm -hmm. Mom and dad. Wondering how come some women put limits on other women? I think uh, that's a very good question. And I don't think there's one answer to that. Um, I think women, many women who do that are afraid of looking at themselves in the mirror to see what their choices were, what they chose to do, feeling that they could not do both if they wanted a career and have children. But we can. But if you buy into the whole fairy tale as a child growing up that one day you'll marry a man and um, he will make you happy and you can have children, which is wonderful. It's still, I have two kids. Well, they're not kids anymore. They're in their mid-20s and they're independent. They know they come first in my life no matter what I do in my career. I drop everything for them and they know it. So it is possible for women to have both just as men do. It's not about having it all. Because when you say having it all, it means that really you want more than perhaps you're entitled to, something that there is difficult to attain. No, all women want is what men have, to have careers and families. Why is that so difficult? Why is that looked at as something that um, is such a big challenge? But women need to support one another, and that is actually what my book is about. She is me is the hashtag, how women can save the world. I'm not just talking about some woman and interviewing some women who have led countries, who are in you know successful in politics and b- the world of business, et cetera. I'm also going to be interviewing women who head up their own households as wives and mothers, because whether you're in the White House or whether in your, you're in your own house, women are just capable of achieving so much to so that both the for example their daughters and sons who they brought up who they bring up become aware of that there is no limit on what women can do and boys need to be uh, understand that just as much as girls do you said you concealed your sexuality for years would you tell us about that <laughs> well yes I'd be happy to, and this is something that um, I actually, here I am turning 59 in July, and it was at the age of 49 that I came out as gay. So I guess I should celebrate 10 years. (laughs) I will certainly do that. As as I discuss, being, uh, just being, wanting to be an independent woman growing up, being well-educated was something that my parents uh, undermined me and, and, and put me down for. So the idea of coming out as gay, I knew I would be disowned. They threatened to disown me about some very small things, let alone that, (laughs) both of them, many times. So there was no way I felt comfortable doing that, the idea of being um, not having a family. And it was clear they would. So I kept it, I repressed it for decades. Also, I I suspected my older brother would not end up uh, getting married and have children, would not give them grandchildren, even at that early age. So I knew I was going to be the one. So I did, and I got married, and I repressed all those feelings toward women until (laughs) I was 49. So we're talking about 35 years, uh, but I actually had to go to the other side of the world. I flew to Seoul. I had stopped speaking with my parents right before. I flew to Seoul to speak at a national women's conference. And while I was there, I went on my computer and put on a, uh, a profile on a, on a dating site. Yeah. 
I, I was so terrified. But when I stopped speaking to my parents, what I these feelings I had repressed for 35 years just naturally started to surface because I no longer felt I had to please them. There I was. I had my own family. I'd been out of the home for decades, but I still did not want to disappoint my parents. Only when I had ended the relationship, which lasted for about two years, did I feel comfortable enough to be authentic. And that's much too long for anybody to live a life which is not authentic. What advice would you give to women who want to come out but are afraid of things like losing their family? I would say to them what I said to myself as I, when I had done this. It is a lot, there's a lot more to lose by not being yourself and living a life that is authentic than to hide oneself. And the older we get, right, if we do not live authentically, we start then involving other people in our lives, whether it be, you know, husband uh, for women, right, or wife for men, having families. We all know of stories, even the former governor, Jim McGreevy, right, New Jersey governor, who came out much later, was forced to, in a way, and already had a family and children. It doesn't go away. There's no conversion therapy that works. It, It doesn't exist. We are who we are. And if we try to deny it within ourselves, we're not only hurting, we're not only hurting ourselves, but everyone we know. So as difficult as it may be, we really don't have a choice. Coming up, Lori Sokol describes how she hopes to end gender inequality. ADP knows anything you hear, anything you don't hear, anything you kind of heard, anything you weren't supposed to hear and now have to pretend like you didn't can change the world of work. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. After 9-11, you decided to start your own magazine publishing firm. And you said people were surprised when they found out you were a business owner. How come? Well, this is something that I think most women face, particularly if they own a business in the male-dominated industry, like real estate development. (laughs) I started the magazine right after 9-11 in the New York real estate development field, and so many people came to me and said, or asked me, why are you doing this now after 9-11 real estate development? I didn't ask for their opinion. (laughs) um, The magazine I I did it anyway, of course. The magazine was uh, extremely successful, more than I had even thought. And so, of course, two years later, after uh, that was shown to be so successful, people, the same people came to me and said, you know, that was probably the best time to start a magazine. But still, as time went on, being a woman uh, running a publication in the male-dominated industry is one that... um, I would be questioned all the time and was until 2016 when I stopped doing it. Oh, well, questions like, well, doesn't somebody else own this? No, just me. Well, is this a family-run business? No, just me. I would respond and they would still say, oh, I'm so impressed. I don't need them to be, it's nothing like my father. No, I don't need that. So it is, uh, again, the way that so many women in male-dominated industries are still looked at uh, to be justified, to be commended for work that um, is really unnecessary for them to be commended about. 
I heard you, after a few years, you stopped meeting with men in the real estate industry. How come? Uh, it, it's a very different type of meeting when you're meeting with men versus women and being a woman. Uh, there are a number of, I, I actually used to say, this is way before Trump became president, that I felt like I was meeting with many Donald Trumps. I used to say that. We're so self-absorbed. Felt like they were the king of their castle, and uh, what they would speak about was all about them. And there were a couple of times at the end of our meeting or interview, the men would come up to me to shake my hand and look down my shirt. Oh my goodness. I don't need that. <laughs> you know, when I would meet with women, whether they're gay or not, um, it was a very, number one, that didn't, wouldn't happen, but number two, of course, there, it was more of, I felt we were speaking on an even level. We were equals. Okay. The conversation was much more, was not as formal. It was more, there was more of a connection. And we would bond based upon the fact that here I am publishing a magazine in the male-dominated real estate industry. And here are these women engineers, architects, um, to real estate developers, who there are fewer women, and in finance and in law, fewer women in that capacity in the industry. So they know exactly what it's also like to be one of the only or the only woman in the room. Did you run a risk, though, of you know having a negative effect on your business by not taking those meetings with the guys? None at all. Really? Not at all. No. In fact, what I then started to do was instead of publishing the magazine on a monthly basis, we focused specifically on honoring women in real estate twice a year. And also we did so in Washington, D.C. as well. We felt as I became more entrenched and spoke with more women in the industry and understood how these women are are facing so many challenges for being one of the only women in the room. We need, as the only woman-owned real estate development magazine in New York, I felt it was my duty, my responsibility to shed light on who they are, what they're doing, what their challenges are, and to promote their accomplishments in the field. So that's what our publishing company became solely dedicated to doing that. And I must say that the even before the issues where we did uh, honor women were always the most profitable and the most highly attended events anyway. So it just made sense to continue to and actually build upon that as well. What's the biggest financial lesson you had to learn about having your own company? The, well, when I started my own company, it was in 2002, and the economy was doing very well, right? And then we had the recession of 2006, 7, 8, and 9. And at that time, a lot of publications, print publications, went out of business with major publishers, right. Hearst, Condé Nast, etc. And those who stayed lost a lot of money. And then, of course, we had the internet boom where more publications were going online. I had to know as a, as a publisher to be able to withstand whatever the economy would do, that if I had to roll back my sleeves and do it all myself, I could do that. And that's exactly what I did. My background had been both as an editor-in-chief of major market publications and as a publisher, so I knew both sides. So if I had, again, if I had to decrease staff to continue to keep the publication profitable and not sleep <laughs> in order to do so, that's pretty much what I did. So I think any entrepreneur should know that they uh, can rely on themselves should they need to, 
to produce the product or service to continue to be profitable no matter what the economy does. You grew up in public housing in Brooklyn. What's the biggest financial lesson you had to learn about having money? Well, for me, it was about not having money, actually, growing up without money, yes, in Brooklyn housing projects. No one was ever going to help me. There was no money to help me. Once I graduated from college, I was completely on my own. So I had to pay my bills and lived on my own at, at that time and always since then, that I always had to find a way to make sure I paid my bills and there was no one to help me, no one to catch me if I fall. Now, that can be ver- terrifying for most people, but what it does is it forces one like myself to make sure that I was completely responsible for whatever um, career I had, that I always had a job, and I always did. I never was without a job. I couldn't be because I couldn't you know, pay my bills. But beyond that, when I, be- I did get married and had children, I continued. Well, that's... I continued to keep my career going. I never stopped. It actually made me a better mother because I knew I could not be a stay-at-home mom. It's a very personal choice. If you're good at being a stay-at-home mom, great. But I knew I couldn't. And I also liked knowing that I contributed equally financially to everything in our home and even purchasing a home. And also at the same time, I worked uh, on, I went back to graduate school and spent 12 years at night till I got a PhD in psychology. So I was running a business, having kids, and work, and in grad school for 12 years to get a PhD. Wow. It can be done. I've done it, and I've, look, I've lived to tell about it. <laughs> it's amazing what we can do when we want to. Yeah. It is. On Women's E! News, you write about sustainable investing, and I'm wondering what advice do you have for women who are thinking about considering getting into sustainable investing? Well, it's, it's very important, probably more than anything today, right? Women's News is a global nonprofit news site that reports on the most important issues that affect women and girls around the world. We have reporters in every part of the world. And I introduced the important topic of sustainability in 2018, because clearly, no matter what your gender is, no matter socioeconomically, what status you have, Uh, no matter your orientation, your race, your religion, your political party affiliation, sustainability uh, to sustain our climate is the most important thing we can do. That's why we have students and Generation Z, I guess we're called, marching all over the world for sustainability to keep our planet or to actually our, clim- our planet has already been affected negatively through humans' you know, uh, greed and use of our natural resources. So the importance of investing in any services or products that target sustainability and help build sustainability not only help us individually, but they help our, they help our families, our community, society, our country, and the world in general. Time now for your secrets. I'm Lori Selko, Executive Director of Women's E-News, and my money secret is there are many ways to achieve wealth, and it's not only through money. Be sure to check out our ebook based on the Secrets podcast. WSJ subscribers can download their copy of Resilience, How 20 Ambitious Women Use Obstacles to Fuel Their Success, for free on WSJ.com today. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. This message comes from Viking, 
committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.